dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Sister Natalia. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. Sister and listeners, glory to Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, from sister and listeners, glory to him forever. I don't know, I don't know how to respond to that. It's really weird because I have this habit of starting my homilies, glory to Jesus Christ. But if I'm doing the children's homily, then I want to like get them to say it themselves just to, because a lot of times kids, like if you're, if you're, if you say something like this, glory to Jesus Christ, the beginning of a homily, the kids for some reason, just like assume that that's for the adults, you know, like some kids will be like glory forever, you know, but some of the kids just say like, oh, that's not for me yet. So I, I want to like do it specifically for them. Okay, little ones, glory to Jesus Christ. But if I just said it, it's weird to say it again. It, it works, but I, I want to say like little ones come on up before I say anything else. And then when they sit down, then glory to Jesus Christ. You got to train your kids. I know, exactly. So, and it, it is it is my role. It is it is funny because the how many how some parents really really do embrace kind of what's happening in church mm-hmm. and bring it home with them because of course as this happens with school with church anywhere parents are the primary educators of their children in every way. If you're listening to this and you're a parent and and you you expect that your kids are going to get their faith only from church and only from ECF or CCD, like Sunday school, or only from the priest, you are horribly mistaken. Or they're only going to get their their support from their their school. You know, kids, as I think we all know, hopefully, get most of their inspiration and influence from their parents. Mm-hmm. So we our job is more to educate the parents so that they educate the children. And I, I actually know a priest back east who, who said, we are not doing any more ECF. He was so frustrated by the lack of education of the parents, like that the parents weren't educated in the faith, that he said, we're not literally not doing it. And so we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna only focus on adult education. That's it. And we're gonna do adult education. And then you are expected, to, and we'll give you resources, but you are expected as parents then to take what you learn and then using these resources, educate your own children at home. You know, mm. I thought, wow, that's brave. But I think it's true. It's bold. It is. Um, that's interesting because I was thinking for my episode, but I ended up, I'm not doing this. So I'm just going to say it now. I'm stealing your episode to say what I want to say. Um, say what you need to say. Is that, that, I don't even... <laughs> say, say what you want to say. I don't know. I don't know what song that is. Neither do I, and I don't know. If it it's might be an horribly okay scandalous. Song, so Here we are, like <laughs> singing this song that like we don't even know. Okay. This is horrible. This happens to me a lot, though. Like someone says something that I know the lyrics to, and so I just yep. then sing it, and I have no idea what the song is sometimes, and that can be really bad. And I need to probably not do that. So I have heard that there are committees in the church that I am not on that will like they're almost the entire committee is somebody saying something and then someone's singing a song but it's usually like broadway songs that like i guess many it's 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 a it's a committee that has it with music so so they'll they you know they all know music well they probably all love broadway and then so they like somebody will say something and they start just singing like all of them start singing this broadway hymn that 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 some phrase or word made them think of um literally every single time someone says at the end of the day at the end of the day, you're another day older. Da-da, da-da, da-da. <laughs> Every single time. What's that from? Lamus. Oh, okay. Um, okay, that was a cowboy. Oh, cowboy from the cowboy. 
Yes. Shout out to Shal- <laughs> shout out to Shalimar Masters, who you and I both know and love, the Masters family. Yes. Um, because she sent me socks um, with like cowboy symbols all over them. <laughs> That's why I was going to give a shout out to Marianne, who sent me socks that has squirrels on them. Oh. And me being the idiot I am. So Mariana sent you realize. squirrels and yeah, Shalimar she sent me, sent squirrel me cowboys. Socks. That's funny. Ah, uh, okay. That's really funny. They couldn't funny. find socks with pearls on them or something. Who knows? Um I, oh, I, I didn't really even, it didn't even click like why it was squirrels until just now. Sometimes I like don't think of these things. I was I was telling someone that like Leah Darrow who who runs Lux, she she bought me since I'm the chaplain for Lux, bought me Earbuds. Have I shot this on the podcast yet? No, bought you me just earbuds. shared it with me. And, and on the case, it said Lux, <laughs> L-U-X. And she bought them for me. And she's, she's the founder of Lux. And literally, I received them. And I looked at the, the case for the earbuds, like the Apple earbuds. And I said, oh, like Apple puts Lux on all their earbud cases. <laughs> I'm like, you're lucky you're I'm like, cute. oh, every, everybody's using this Lux thing. Even even Apple is using Lux to put on the air, but I don't know why they put that on. But it means light in Latin. Isn't that beautiful? And then yeah, then I then so I I was like, Leah, look, they put Lux on there. She's like, uh, yeah, I had that put on there because <laughs> you're the chaplain of Lux. I'm like, oh, okay, um, yep, okay. So then, the thing is, though, when I go <laughs> off um, on a squirrel moment, I typically remember where I was going. So what I wanted to say, oh. as you're talking about parents educating their children and um, catechizing at home, um, I was thinking of doing my episode about something about the great fast and like the pre-Lenten weeks because we have um, Zacchaeus and then the publican and the Pharisee and um, we have meat fair and cheese fair and Radical all of that, sign. like ways that we get ready for the great fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not doing my episode on that. I'm going to do something else. But what I wanted to say was I think that it would be really beautiful. We, we start the great fast with forgiveness vespers as a church, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is a regular vesper service, but then we also have the right of mutual forgiveness within it, uh, which as you know, Father Michael, and you've mentioned on the podcast, we do at the monastery every night at Compline, mutual mm-hmm. forgiveness. But... I think it would be really beautiful for families to do this at home at the start mm-hmm. of the great fast. Um, and so that was one of the things that I was thinking of. So typically the right of forgiveness, um, you can find it on the MCI website. We should probably link to that or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, to, to forgiveness assessors. Yeah, Beth, link to that. Um, so a couple, a couple insider things. So Beth, Beth is our media person, and she's the one that kind of puts the summary together. So that those who know, people, people criticize us often for a bunch of inside jokes. I think every once, every once, every once in a while, it's important to say, "Hey, here's what we're referring to." So Beth is our, so Steve is our editor. So if we ever <laughs> mention Steve, it probably means we wanted to edit something out. Um, but you might not even hear it because he probably edits his own name out. Um, and then we have Beth and in turn Olivia handling our media. But also, just a real quick thing: Squirrel refers to the movie Up. And and the dog who gets distracted by a squirrel. So when sister and I get distracted, we might say squirrel. So those are just those who don't know these things. And we named our squirrels. Sister named hers. I named mine Perla after Perla Hoskins, who's a former prisoner of mine who does not like our distractions at all. Gets frustrated <laughs> by them and and is very open and honest about her criticisms. Um, so I named my squirrel <laughs> Perla because of her criticism of the squirrels. 
um, the distractions that we have, obviously a lot of on this podcast. And then so I think Sister mentioned, okay, the first person to criticize her, we're going to name the squirrel after. And Cowboy, Chris Cowboy Maori was, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, was a... Um, was the first one to tell me that he was criticizing Sister for her distractions, but of course it was only to get the squirrel named after him. It wasn't yeah. real, but still it, it works. And he's a pressure of mine now, so anyway, he got to he got it in first before anybody else had to text me or anything like that. Yeah, that's good. So that's for the Perla and Cowboy are the squirrel. The names we gave to our squirrels. The squirrels are a reference to our being distracted and going. I often, else. I often just don't. We do get we don't get that many complaints about inside jokes. We've had a few, but but they're also or inside comments, but they're not even like I think we're typically really good about not using inside jokes that are just between you and me. Um, or if we go down that rabbit hole, we stop and say that's yeah, that's an exactly. Joke, yeah. Um, but but we do often reference things that are on earlier podcasts, and we have to remember that not everyone who's listening to this has necessarily listened yeah. to other. Episodes. I don't think that's so bad though, because I think that's to be expected. It's like watching a. Then why a, did you just explain the squirrels and Steve and Beth and Olivia, intern Olivia? You are correct. I am wrong. Okay, great. I love when I love when you say that. Um, <laughs> so forgiveness vespers. the the main The main thing of it is is every person in the church will go up to every other person in the church during this rite of forgiveness and say, "Forgive me," and the person responds. I think the priest. Well, the priest starts it or the bishop or whoever's celebrating right. the service. Um, but the priest starts it, but then every person goes up to the priest and then they stand in line. Typically, this is probably how most parishes do this. Um, and then you go up to the priest as well as every person in line. I'm sure this is going to be very different because COVID um, this year. <laughs> but um, social distance forgiveness. You, you say, forgive me. The other person responds, it's God who forgives or something along those lines. And then they say, forgive me. And you say, it's God who forgives. Um, I think our current MCI translation of that is may God forgive you. Yeah, that's why I said or something like that because I couldn't remember yeah. the actual translation. It's like, it's like, forgive me, may God forgive you, forgive me, may God forgive you. And I, I, I think there is that for, for a normal parish situation, I like that a little more. Uh-huh. And I, there's also a version, I think maybe the Melkite version that says, God forgives you and I forgive you. Mm, I like that. Yeah, because to say it's God who forgives, if you're like totally catechized there and you understand that Mm -hmm. he is forgiving you in it, then that's fine. Um, But if if someone's unsure, then it could sound like it's God who forgives. You have to go ask him. (laughs) It's like when you say it is God who forgives, you, you... implied in that is that I forgive. It's just the Bible says only God can forgive. So I'm participating mm-hmm. in his forgiveness when I forgive you. Yeah. I could not forgive you without him giving me, without him having forgiven you as well. And then him allowing me to participate in that divine act of forgiveness. Um, that's why the may God forgive you is, is like turns it into like a prayer. So, so I forgive you and I'm praying that God forgive you, which, which of course is always the case if there's a sincerity there. We just, we just don't know the, the level of sincerity, but yes. So, so sorry. Um, that's okay. Perla, go ahead. So I think that wasn't really Perla. That was, yeah, that's true. Okay. You are right. I am wrong. I, you can just say that all the time, <laughs> especially in direction. It doesn't really happen that often in direction. Um, it's quite the other way around. <laughs> but the I think it's it, it would be a great practice for families to do at home. Um, maybe the night before the great fast starts, or before so Sunday night, the f- February 
14th if you are um, Byzantine Catholic. Is that right? Is the 14th a Sunday? I think so. I'm looking at the calendar right now. Um, Yes, Sunday night the 14th if you're Byzantine Catholic before the fast starts on Monday, February 15th. Mm-hmm. Or if you are Roman Catholic, then on the evening of Tuesday night, the 16th, maybe you do this with your family to prepare mm-hmm. for Lent, which starts on Wednesday, the 17th. There we go. I love it. So. So remind me why you hijacked my topic to talk about yours. Or is that because that's not your topic? It's not my topic. Okay, sorry. I was thinking of <laughs> using it for my topic, but then I chose a different topic and... I was using your thing about catechizing at home, oh, and see. that's a way to do it. Ah, okay. That was a smooth transition then. All so right. you can introduce your topic now. I give you permission. So, so I am. I don't want to lie here, but I <laughs> there was there was a reason why I thought of this topic, and and then, but it's too kind of embarrassing or vulnerable to say the reason. So I found a different reason why I'm thinking about this topic. I'll, I'll mention what it is. It just, are you it talking about with, sin? We don't, we don't, we don't have sin in the Byzantine church. It's not Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Scandal. Lies. That's I'm not true. Kidding. Nobody believed that. I was, I was going to avoid the whole father. Michael's not doing his sin topic. I know discussion today and you brought it up. <laughs> so thank you, sister. Um, I have not, I am not yet done researching. Um, public apology to intern Olivia. Public apology to intern Olivia. I am not done researching yet, and I I'm getting deeper and deeper into some documents which are amazing. I'm reading now Father Maximus Davies' um, doctoral thesis on on involuntary sin, and I it's just I'm not an academic, and it takes me a long time to read and process these things. Um, so anyway, I'll get to it when I can, and I'm not going to let anybody anybody. <laughs> pressure me into doing this before I'm ready because I I am totally the type my my temperament is I do not like disappointing people I don't I don't I don't like doing it I hate it I will go way out of my way to not disappoint people Um, but I am maturing and I'm growing in my ability to to be okay with disappointing people in turn Olivia and 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 all of your your cronies who were sitting here now in front of the microphone harassing me Um, so did you know, sister? And this this, this is true. So, um, logismoi. Do you know what logismoi are, sister? Yes. So, logismoi are are evil thoughts, and and one of the the fathers that is the most eloquent about this, as sister has mentioned his name before, is Evagrius. So, Evagrius talked about the eight evil thoughts are are the big eight, and all the rest kind of find um, place underneath them. But but pretty much it's evil thoughts. It, it's it's not necessarily it's things that lead to evil actions, and these are just things that we let sit in our minds, um, things that, that, that begin to, we, we entertain the thoughts, we, in a sense, I'm using the, the term from the Roman Catholic act of contrition, um, the near occasion of sin. In other words, we're letting, we're letting these evil thoughts kind of simmer in our minds. And I wanna, I wanna tell you about an evil thought um, that I let simmer in my mind recently. Can I, um, can and, I first say something about Logie's my? Yes, please. Um, I just want to... Put it out there that I have read at least one Eastern writer who mm-hmm. says that um, logismoi are not always considered bad thoughts; um, that they could be neutral and even on rare occasion good. Um, but that um, overall, 
vast majority what you read in the Philokalia, they're speaking of it in mm. in a negative sense. But so that term can refer to just thoughts, in other words. Yes, according okay. to according to this one, I I've, I came across it by um, in the Kyriakos Marquidis oh, okay. books. Um, okay, so that's all. Cool. Um, so good to have a correction before the next episode. <laughs> um, the uh, which reminds me, I need I need to do a a. a a clarification, but I'll try to remember at the end. Remind me, sister, if I forget um, okay. from a previous episode. But um, so, did do you know how much? So, Jeff Bezos, the founder of and CEO of Amazon, do you have any idea how much do you think? Now he he has not taken a raise in a while, and he took a pay cut because he, he's the richest man of the world, by the way. Um, and 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 the richest man of the world. Uh, do you know? And this is in this year, twenty twenty. Um, it's even getting more rich because, of course, so many people are using Amazon because of the quarantines. But do you know how much he makes? And the, I, I I finally opened this article. Do you know how much he makes in one second? How much money? Let's say back in twenty eighteen when he was like at the height of of him being paid. Um, how many? How much he makes in one second? Literally one second. Five thousand dollars. So this is this is from Business Insider. Um, in one second, Bezos makes more than twice what the median U.S. worker makes in one week. In one second, he makes twice the median income of a U.S. worker what they make in one week. Um, so. In one second, he makes $2,489. $2,489 in one second. And that's every second. So that is being multiplied. So That's $150,000 anyway. a minute. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're the numbers person. So the, but I didn't even know that. What I read was that he makes... Um, what was it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was in the millions that he makes... I think every hour, four million. That would be like that. that would be a very high paying salary. What he makes in one minute. Oh yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Exactly what he yeah. makes every not not only like every minute, every minute he makes this. So oh my gosh. Um, so in other words, so this I read this and on Twitter and I read it as kind of like a yeah of course he's the richest man of the world and he he owns and runs Amazon and that that's incredible. But then then I started thinking. You know, again, this is where the where the logos boy, where the evil thoughts come in. I got thinking, why not me? Like, I I think it's totally natural to say, like, what would I do with that much money? What would I do? Um, We we religious, um, me, I'm a priest, and you're a nun. Um, We are given adequate uh, stuff so that we are not debilitated by our poverty in, 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 a, in a way that would, would keep us from being a good minister or from a good, being a good prayer. Squirrel um, socks. Did you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Marianne. Um, uh, so the reading today was from First Peter. I don't, mm-hmm. know if you, I, don't, I don't know if you read the readings or had divine liturgy, but yeah, we have the reading here is from, from First Peter for, uh, because we're celebrating, um, I, since I said Evagrius, Euthemius, right? Oh my yes. gosh. Okay, Euthymius, the great, um, the wonder worker. So he, so he, because of him, we, we read First Peter. And First Peter, it talks about you should not, or at least that's what the epistle reader read today. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the, that was just the daily reading. 
Oh, was it? Okay. So yeah. the epistle reading of the daily reading, I did the reading from the, from the saint, which was the Beatitudes, Luke's Beatitudes. Anyway, um, in First Peter, the reading for the day, if it wasn't, <laughs> if it wasn't, <laughs> Euthemius, um, Euthemius um, the, uh, the reading would be from First Peter. And he says in there a line, something like, um, do not give in to anxiety because mm-hmm. you must have rest in order to pray well. Mm-hmm. So th- this is a whole nother topic about, about the place of anxiety and getting caught up in what the world is, is proposing, all the anxieties of the world. Um, I just spaced what I was going to say. Um, the evil. So, oh. The Logizmoi. So, so yes, the logism. Oh, so so I, my mind. Anyway, I'll, I'll remember what I was going to say. So I, my mind went from like thinking, why not me? And and you know what would I do with this? And and how much good could I do? And oh, so anyway, so we religious are given basically what we need. Like we don't we 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 don't have a lot, but we also don't need anything. And it, it's it's the church tries to find this kind of median um, allowable income that that a celibate. Um, can live on. Uh, most of our married clergy uh, do have a second job because this is not enough. It's enough for a cell, but it's not enough for a married man. Anyway. Never enough. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There's an example of what we were talking about earlier. Um, so anyway, I started thinking about this and I started like getting pretty down. Like, you know, thinking what would life be like with that much money and, and how different would it be and how wonderful would it be and how nice would it be? And I have chosen a path that will never have money, not even the opportunity for that money. And, and I started, this became an evil thought. It became, it led me down this path where I started getting, feeling down. And as you know, I rarely feel down. I was just and about I, to say that. We were, we were talking about that at the monastery the other night. We were talking about how frustrating it is that we know you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because um, Mother Gabriella quoted you. Um, you were talking to us one time and you were like, I, I think I've felt desolation one time in my life. <laughs> and we're like, it's actually been twice now, but yes. Twice, um, twice. Yeah. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> Shout out to the uh, the Know His Love podcast. Look it up. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll I'll give more information on it in the future. But Know His Love podcast. Um, I was I went on it last week um, when I was on a retreat and talked about. We were talking about um, again. Do you know that Jesus loves you? And mm-hmm. so it obviously came up where normally I am very aware. Thank God. But there's been twice in my life where I uh, not that I didn't know He loved me, but I went into what I would call desolation. Anyway, check it out. You can see my episode. I think I'll know his love stories, uh, which was like, which was last week. Is on my anyway. Um, so yes, so I got kind of down, which is very unusual for me. And and so when I when I started getting down, I thought, you know, if I let my brain go there, I would tell myself that the life I'm living now is impossible. The life I'm living now of 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 not having money for what I want is impossible. Now I think those who the benefit of those who who are truly poor and who who work hard and 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 still i mean there's so much hunger even in our country you know people that that are that are not able to eat enough or eat quality food and i mean there's literally children dying of hunger in the united states which is just incredibly frustrating so that there's something about about that poverty that is that i think makes that, that that it could even become more of an evil thought, and I, I have everything I need. So that, but there was still this this meditation on this, and I started thinking like I need I need the ability to make more money. I need it, and that's a lie. Like for, <laughs> as a priest, that's a total lie. 
and and so the other thing, the other thing that I won't go into too much detail about was that I, I look back now at forty two years old, and I've been I've been a priest for sixteen years, almost sixteen years. I've been a celibate for almost seventeen years, and there are certain aspects of celibacy that I I still look back in amazement. And if, if I spend too much time thinking about the the joy of having a wife and kids, like that becomes an evil thought because mm-hmm. I, I start realizing, I start thinking I cannot. I cannot live in this life without those normal goods. Mm. Like those are normal goods. And even sometimes the devil puts into my mind, um, maybe for you too, sister, and, and those other celibates that are listening, but the devil puts into my mind something that is just some small good, like not the good of marriage, not the good of, of, of child, having a child and raising a child, but, but rather just a small good, like having, having dinner, I was watching this show, and and this uh, and in it, uh, the, this guy kind of comes home, and and he's very used to kind of his wife serving him dinner when he gets home, and then she just continues working. And on the show, he very beautifully invites her to sit down with her, sit, sit down with him, and like, hey, eat with me, you know. And it was kind of this great moment of growth for him. Um, but there, there's even the something like that, something, something the simplest, simplest, simplest aspects of, of having, as I've said, someone who, who, who loves me most or someone who I love the most or some of those simple daily goods that come from marriage and having children. And if I, if I let myself, even those things, those things are completely good, but if I let myself uh, think too long about those, I start saying, I can't do this. And like 30 seconds ago, I was very happy in my celibacy. But then 30 seconds of kind of letting these thoughts just meander to sit there and linger in my mind, um, they, they become debilitating because I'm starting to say, I'm starting to realize, I should say that, realize that my life is impossible. And, and, and I, I start to realize that. And when I realize it, it's almost like Adam and Eve realizing they're naked. You know, It's like they were naked before, but, but it didn't bother them. All of a sudden they sin and now their nakedness bothers and they feel shame because mm-hmm. of it. So when, I, when I'm living this happy life of being relatively poor and, and, and celibate and things, and then I started letting these even good things like, like, like the responsibility and the ability to make more money and and the you know the the goods of of having a, a wife and children, you know if I let these things linger in my mind too much, I start realizing that I'm I'm naked. But I instead I look back on that nakedness with shame rather than with with contentment, you know, and just kind of letting letting that be what it is. So the conclusion I came to, and especially celebrating a monk today, was that was that we that one point in our life we think that something is impossible. We, I mean, I really viscerally, I don't know how many times I've, been, I've heard in confession, somebody say, this is my sin. It's a habitual sin. I do it all the time. And I'm always going to do it because I, 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 am, I am absolutely incapable, powerless before this sin to change it. When, when, when the temptation comes, I have to give in. And that feeling can be the case for sin, but it can also be the case for, for the vocation. God has called us to something supernatural. He's called us to something transcendent. And, and even if it's like loving and forgiving, like if I if I've fought with my mother for years and years, which I'm using that as an example because that's not the case for me at all. But if I fought with my mother for years and years and years and somebody says, you're gonna forgive her one day, you're gonna have a normal loving conversation with her one day. And I go, nope, that's impossible. Like that is, that is never gonna happen. And I think it's important the example of the monks, the example of the ascetics and other in other words, those who, who separate from the world, like you and I are trying to do, sister, like you are doing as a nun, separate ourselves from the world. There's a point where we say, I need these things of the world so much that it is impossible not to have them. And yet 
through a life of the daily pilgrimage of the ascetic life, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, the daily life of relying upon Christ for everything, all of a sudden we can look back and say, man, what I thought was impossible, I'm actually living now. Mm. And I can tell you that is such a, an, an amazing feeling. What I thought was impossible, I've been living. And that also then gives me hope to say the things that I now think are impossible, I, I can actually achieve by, through Christ and by his power. Um, so there's just through those, again, the, the, the sin of, of meditating upon things that I am not called to, the sin of meditating by what other people have that I don't, the sin of, of just letting these thoughts linger these evil thoughts linger in my mind, not, not on evil things, but th- those, can, those can distract us. And I, I only thought of the, the allegory or the, the, um, the image of Adam and Eve as I was saying this, you know, but I think that's, it, it works that way. You know, they were naked before, they were naked after. What changed? They now feel shame about it when they didn't and that came through sin. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, I, I like that a lot and it's reminding me of several conversations I've had recently. And, um, one of the things that I was thinking about, so, well, a, a few a few things about the fact that you made very clear that these things you're talking about are goods. They're, yes. Um, so it's it's not an evil thought because the thing is evil. Um, so there's something else about the thought that's making it evil. And yes. there there were a few things that I thought of in that, um, or that I thunk, if you if you will, (laughs) also from another episode. Um, But one is that it's very simply um, a time in which you're not living in the present by, Mm -hmm. by thinking of these things that are, are an unreality. And as I talked about in another episode, I think, I think whose time is it anyway? The one I did with Talca, whenever we're not actually living in reality, we're not encountering God there because because he can only acknowledge reality and that's the place in which we meet him. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so by stepping outside of reality with the could have beens and the could be's and all of those, um, we're not living in the present moment, which our God is a God of the present, the mm-hmm. eternal present. Um, but another thing is that like you, I like the, the word you just used about um, distraction because in thinking, we, we can only think of so many things at once, right? So if we're thinking about these things we wish we had, these things that we want to be the case, then we're not simultaneously being grateful for the things that we do have or what is the case. And... So it's very easy to um, to think about the goods of marriage, and in doing so, which which even that it's not it's not bad to think about the goods of marriage. That can be a good thing. Um, but if if thinking about the goods of marriage as a celibate is making it so that you're forgetting the goods of your own vocation, yep, um, the fact that we can do vigils, the fact that we can be present at any hour for someone who needs us, uh, things like this, then, then that's part of what I think makes it an evil thought. And then the last thing after you do, I promise that this isn't another harassment after you do the episode on sin, because I want that to be a foundation. 
I want to eventually do an episode on the eight evil thoughts, um, Mm -hmm. which originated with Evagrius. So it's appropriate that you're talking about Evagrius too. But I think it's the... I I conflate sometimes, and in the West, once once these became the seven deadly sins, they actually put these two together. But I conflate um, despondency and sadness. Mm. Um, So I can't remember for sure which one this is, but I think it's sadness. But one of those, part of the evil thought is that um, as a monk, because these were originally written for monks, right? As a monk, you are regretting or feeling sad about not having the things that you've given up. Mm, um, like he's okay. very clear about exactly what you're describing. Um, mm. He talks, he talks about, so it's, so for instance, if I've like renounced all worldly goods and then I see these people who have worldly goods and it's making me jealous and I'm, I'm sad about that and wishing I had them. Um, so it's, it's like, there's, there's still attachment there, even if, in even if like in a materialistic in a materialistic sense I've detached there's still attachment there um, and so that that's a cause of sadness and the the last thing I wanted to respond to when you're talking about how people come to the confessional and say that this is impossible <clears throat> for me to ever recover from like I'm never going to break this in it's always going to be the case or how you're saying in vocation for us to think this is an impossible vocation. No one could actually do this, or at least I couldn't actually do this. I think I was just talking with one of the nuns recently um, who we were talking about this, this way that the devil works. I was also talking with um, Father Dufresne about this, but the, the devil can work in this way of selling us half-truths and and leaving out the fullness, which is where the redemption is. And so actually to say this is impossible for me to do is a truth. <laughs> but the greater truth right. is that right. with God, all things are possible and that, yes. that he, he can help us through this. And, and in fact, that needs to be the case because otherwise we just fall into pride, <laughs> which yep. is another evil thought. Um, and, you know, he does this all the time. Like the, the devil will say, um, will convince us not to do something because it will be painful and and we'll die. And um, that hmm. actually is true. But the greater truth is that God will then ra- raise us from the dead. <laughs> um, in these, I'm talking not literal deaths, but even just like the daily deaths. Um, and so I think that this is one of the ways that the devil works is he gets us stuck at the halfway point and doesn't allow the fullness of the truth. Um, so it's not that he's always lying to us or, or convincing us of lies. Yeah. It's often just a half truth. Yeah, that's another reference, of course, that I think is very beautiful to Adam and Eve. You know, if you do this, you will mm-hmm. die. You know, and, and there's a, I think the devil. I like how you say that. If you if you if you try to if you try to live what what is impossible for humans, you're going to die. Like mm-hmm. if you try to, if you think you can rely upon Christ for everything, which it takes to be a good parent, a good spouse, a good celibate, you know, if, if you think you can rely upon Christ for everything, you're wrong. Like you can't, you're a mess. You're a sinner. <laughs> like what makes you think 
that you can rely upon Christ for everything and therefore live this life of transcendence of supernatural. Like, like you're, you're so arrogant, the devil tells us. You're so arrogant that you actually think you can live that. I mean, he's so cunning and so evil. And, and when people start, I think, discerning anything like that, the devil's gonna throw everything at them, especially, especially, which is true, right? We are, we are arrogant, we are, we are sinful, we are incapable of doing it. So the devil is, is deceiving us, he's the great deceiver, but sometimes he, he speaks the truth in a way, in a twisted way, in order to deceive us. And, and that, that, that same way of saying, Christ has called you, the devil says, Christ has called you to live a life that you have to rely upon him for everything. And if, 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 I, if, if anybody asks you, including the devil, are you capable of living a life where you have to depend upon Christ for everything? What's the right answer, right? If you say yes, then, oh, really? Oh, you think, you think you're, <laughs> you're smart enough, holy enough, good enough to do that? If I say no, oh, you, you don't think Christ can, can handle it? Like the devil is gonna turn those things around. I think that's how most people, that's why the, the devil's in their own thoughts. You know, their own, our own thoughts do that as influenced by the devil. Every time we, we start moving towards something good, then we start saying, you know, oh, we're going we're gonna to find the, the bad way of looking at this. We're going to find the, the negative evil way of, of perceiving the way that my mind is working right now. And that's, that's the devil. That is absolutely false. That is a, a, a deceit. And, um, and then we can, you know, through guidance of our spiritual director or through our own prayer or through those around us, we can say, how do I look at this exact thing a different way, the way that Christ sees it, the way that Christ guides. Um, and that's, that's a big part of my, when I do the, do the podcast on sin is, is, is understanding, understanding that, that sin is, is pervasive and mm-hmm. and we we're 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 always sinning, but we're also always growing. And mm-hmm. and that there's something about the Christian Christian understanding is to find contentment in 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 being constantly being a sinner, you know, and yet constantly being forgiven and constantly being redeemed and constantly growing. And so therefore trusting the church in her in times of asceticism, I'll get to that in a moment too, and times of, of celebration and just responding to the promptings of the church in that way, so that even if we are you know, we are redeemed, but we still need to fast, and we are sinners, yet we still need to feast. And 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 ha- allowing the church and the church year to guide us in those times, those ways of thinking, those ways of interacting with the prayer of the church and with our own souls. Yeah, and I think that this is captured well in ordination services and at points in different. Um, it might. It might even be in our life profession. I can't recall, but at, at different points, um, like at a priestly ordination, um, as the priest is is taking these vows or making these promises, um, he he says, "Yes, I will do this. Yes, I will do this." I don't remember the actual verbiage, um, so I'm paraphrasing. But then, for for at least one of them, maybe the last one, he says, um, "With the help of God." Um, yeah. And yeah. All right. So the second part of this, and I, I'll, I'll phrase it as saying, you know, when I when I tell myself I can't live without this, I can't live without, for me, I can't live without Jeff Bezos's salary because <laughs> he's a human. And why did God give him that? Why not me? Like, why did this human get that and I don't? Mm-hmm. And 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 how much how much could I do and how happy could I be? 
like when I or, or when I talk about like I said certain aspects of, of, of my vocation, whatever that may be. I, I cannot live without this, these good things and these bad things. I'm wrong. The second half of that is when I say, as I often do, I can live without these things. Mm. I am also wrong. Mm-hmm. So what are the things that I tell myself often that I can live without and I do try to live without them and yet that is also wrong? Um. Are you actually asking me? I, it's, this is like a children's homily where there's one right answer. <laughs> there's one. There's one thing that is the right answer to every single question. In Denver, I used to tell my kids that. Every, they would. So literally, some kids would say, you know, I would say, you, you're never going to be wrong if you answer this way. And so I would say things like, how many major feasts are there in the church? And they go, Jesus. And I go, you are correct. He is always the right answer. I'm um, Jesus. That's the answer. <laughs> there you go. Good job, sister. Good job. Um, <laughs> Obviously, it, it gets it gets um, more varied than that, um, and there are nuances there. But but yeah, uh, that's what sin is. Sin is is an attempt to live live. I mean that you know to, to Christ. Christ gives us life, and the devil brings us towards death. Uh, but but um, sin is an attempt to live without. Christ mm-hmm. and, and to live with that. And then what does that mean? That means we think we can live without prayer. How often, and you, you know, this is the beauty of living a monastic life, sister, is that most of your prayer is done in community. So you have to do it. I mean, for us that live in the world, you know, every time, I would say 90%, because 10% of the time I'm just really holy and, and want to pray, but to 10, 90% of the time, there's, there's always something that if I say, I could go pray, you know, Vespers right now, it would take 45 minutes, or I could continue doing this project, or I could do dishes, or I could make a more healthy dinner, or I could go call this person, or I could go, you know, take a walk, or I could do all these things. And, and all the, those things, if they're put on a scale, just like I tell people discerning celibacy, right? If you put marriage and celibacy on a scale, Marriage is always going to win. <laughs> it's always because when you when you look at the two and compare them like that, there's so much more obvious beauty to marriage than there is to celibacy. So you mm-hmm. can't do that. You you have to discern one, and then see if you're if you're living peace or anxiety, and then discern the other and see if you're living peace and anxiety. You can't discern them both at the same time. That, mm-hmm. that means a few people can, of course. Jesus can make that fruitful, but most of the time you have to discern one vocation and then see if God wills it or not. Because if you're discerning two at the same time, you're the 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 goods, the natural goods of marriage are always going to win out. In, in and in when we put them on a scale, um, so if you're called to celibacy, you're going to be distracted by those natural goods in many in many ways. Um, so when I put on, okay, what, I can either spend 45 minutes of prayer or I can spend 45 minutes actually doing something that has a measurable good. Like mm-hmm. doing the dishes is a measurable good. Taking mm-hmm. a walk even, like I'll be more fit and I'll be more, you know, I'll have this experience of the world and I'll be open with all these spirits doing. Like if, if, I, if I have those things. So the, these, the things that I think I can live without are Jesus Christ. But when it comes down to prayer, uh, church on Sunday, all these things that are not measurable successes are not measurable goods. Um, so it's it's as important, if not more important, to to understand that I am wrong, to speak of this negatively, I am wrong when I say I cannot live without these things because in Christ I can. 
In Christ, I can do everything, even the impossible in Christ. And it's, it's as wrong to say, I can live without these things um, because the devil can give us a lot of good things to keep us thinking that we're doing just fine. Mm-hmm. And this is again, leading into my, 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 my podcast in the future on unintentional sin, because again, you can have, we can well, look at coronavirus. You know, you can have it without knowing it. You can feel just fine and still have it, still have something that, that, that can hurt you and hurt others. You know, so there, there's something about there's something about sin. If 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 these things work in the world, um, where I can be addicted to something and think it's good, you know, um, and I you know think of pornography. That's an issue with many many men. How, how much of the world tells us that pornography is not evil? You know, oh that's just fine. It's actually healthy sometimes. You know, um, no, you, you're 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 hurting yourself and others. And you don't even know it, you know. Mm-hmm. So there, there's there's things that we have to trust, and it, we become more sensitive to the eyes and ears of faith, and becoming more sensitive over time by living a life in the church, sacraments, prayer life, asceticism, fast, etc. Um, where where we realize how much we depend upon these things, and how much we need these things, and we grow in that knowledge that these things are actually necessary. Um, so those are just kind of two sides of the same coin. How how and then if you look at the, in a positive way the things I think are impossible are not. And the things that I think are possible, like getting to heaven without the, the guidance of the church are, you know, that's not true. Yeah. I, I think that, and, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, I'm sure, but um, when I've talked about prayer, but that's part of the struggle because even, even as a monastic, um, this is a struggle with prayer because we can we can become dependent upon even like communal prayer we're given the words we're given the like we know what we're supposed to be saying we know what we're supposed to be doing we know how we're when we're supposed to cross ourselves mm-hmm. so on and so forth um and and so private prayer our personal prayer our spousal prayers as we call them in our monastery um there can still be that temptation to um, I was just I was just praying about this the other day. I was I was convicted of this because um, I was praying with. Oh gosh, what was I praying with? Um, something about Peter in chains. Oh, um, we had the veneration of the chains of Saint Peter, and on January sixteenth, um, and I was I was praying with asking the Lord to show me one way in which I am chained by, by something that is of my own choice. Like, what am I doing that is holding me down? Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that he convicted me of was um, dependencies in prayer of like, if I'm in a time of silent prayer, then, um, then journaling or, or, picking up um, a chotki that I'm tying for someone or something like that. And, and these are very simple things and, and they're not bad things. <laughs> um, but is it something that I'm doing either because I'm bored or because I want to feel as though there's some tangible hmm. result from my yeah. prayer, which yeah. is what you were talking about, you know, and, and just realizing that like in some sense I'm chained down by this. I don't have the freedom this is where the chain is. I don't have the freedom to just sit in my icon corner in silence with the candle, with the Lord, without speaking, (laughs) 
and mm-hmm. and trust that that was fruitful just because it was time with the Lord. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That's just something to, so, I mean, that's something I've been working on personally is, um, and, and it's not always wrong to journal in prayer or it's a Thai tchotchke or something like that, you know, but it's a matter of, um, of like, why am I doing those things? Um, and am, am I doing it from a lack of trust? Um, or am I doing it because like Jesus put these words on my heart and he's wanting me to write them down. And <laughs> like, those are two different things. So, yeah. Yeah, that kind of goes back to our Whose Time Is It Anyway podcast about mm. about when I told the story about the the young woman who whose parents were always the time spent with her was also doing something else. You know, it was never just time with her. It was always having to accomplish something and having having some measurable goal. I don't even and remember it, that. I might not have been listening. That's <laughs> very this is very very uh um Vulnerable for you to admit, very humble of you to admit that you're just not listening. Like this just um, doesn't even sound familiar. It had. I, that's kind of why I did that podcast. So I'm pretty sure I told that story. No, but, whose time was it anyway? It was my podcast. Right. Well, okay. <laughs> then, maybe, then maybe it was a, that's, that, maybe I told on a different podcast then. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, not, not, now you're worrying me that I'm wrong about this because I am the one who uh, we might get a doorbell right now. The UPS man's walking up, so if there's a bing in the background, um, uh, oh, nope, oh, he just dropped it off. Okay, um, okay. Uh, do you have anything else on that sister? Because I, I have a couple. I, no, I want to go into no, no, the no. okay. Please. So um, I wanted to mention this was one of my Divine Liturgy podcasts, I said I was going to look these things up and then I did and then I forgot to mention them on previous podcasts and I didn't have the right order. So, Is this um, the thing that you asked me to remind you of at the end? If... Probably, yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so this is in reference to the singing, shouting, crying aloud and saying part uh-huh. of the Divine Liturgy where the priest takes the star and he, he clanks it on the four sides of the discos Originally, the, the clanking was actually to make sure that there weren't any crumbs of, of the body of our Lord remaining on the star, and it kind of shook it to get to get them off. Um, but I mentioned that those refer to the the four angelic faces um, that are from Revelation and Ezekiel. By the way, it's Ezekiel. I was I didn't know if it was Isaiah or Ezekiel. It is Ezekiel. Um, but these four, so when, when the priest says, singing, shouting, crying aloud, and saying, um, if you want to use more of the, what's the onomatopoeia? Does that refer to like a word sounds like it? Yeah. Okay. So um, it would be screeching, roaring, bellowing, and saying. And that refers to the eagle, the lion, the ox, and the man. So the order of singing, shouting, crying aloud, and saying is eagle is singing, lion is shouting, ox is crying out, and the man is saying but you can, a, a translation that would be more appropriate to the animals themselves would be screeching, roaring, bellowing, and singing. And that, of course, the eagle, lion, ox, and man, the, that's John, Mark, Luke, and Matthew. So that's the order in our divine liturgy of, of when, those, when those angelic faces are, are mentioned. Um, that's what it is. The order is eagle, lion, ox, man, namely screeching, roaring, bellowing, singing, but our translation is singing, shouting, crying aloud, and saying, crying okay. aloud. All right. Um, me too. Um, I also have a. Uh, Can I tell you a quick thing? Absolutely. 
when Father Travis was here having mass <laughs> before mass, I'm helping him with some stuff in the sanctuary, and he looks at the star and he's like, because he's having uh, a Roman a Roman mass, uh, okay, and he looks at the star and he says, "I know that's not part of our right, but I think I'm just going to bang some things with it during mass." <laughs> 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 and I thought that was very funny. That is funny. All right, do you have any prayer requests, sister? Uh, it's my topic, so I can go first if you want. Yeah, it's your topic. You're supposed okay, to go so first. I wanted, and this is long overdue, but I, I do want to, uh, I do want to um, ask for prayers outside of space and time for Sam Bittner. Sam Bittner was a was a friend of mine in Denver, um, and he uh, he was a, a fan of the Catholic Stuff podcast that I was on. So he he offered. He's a personal chef, is what he does for a living. Um, he just goes to people's homes and cooks in their kitchens, and so he's done. He's done a lot of um, a lot of that for the companions, and also for Sophia Montessori, the school that I helped found in uh, in Denver. So he always gives kind of private meals as as uh, raffle gifts for for the fundraisers for Sophia Montessori. Anyway, he is. Um, a deacon candidate. He's almost done with his deacon studies. So please, he asked for prayer. So Sam Bittner, um, not only for him, but for his entire uh, class. And he said the, the for the graduating classes of 2021 and 2023. So if you could pray for the Roman Catholic deacon candidates in the Archdiocese of Denver, um, all those in formation, all those studying, and then also especially for a, for a deacon candidate, Sam Bittner. Thank you. Okay. And I will ask for prayers for um, the team that we mentioned today. So for for Steve and his wife, Melissa, um, and their baby, Maria, and intern Olivia, and Beth. Um, they do, they just do a lot of work for us and are really like just into it and excited about it. And it, it frees you and me up, Father Michael, to be able to actually like just focus on the podcasting itself and, yeah. and on living our vocations fully. And I'm really grateful for that. So yeah, yeah. pray for our team. And are we going to have this mystical man behind the curtain, the, the can, unnamed, that we'll just uh, keep unnamed? He, yeah, he never wants to be named. So he never wants to be named. So, um, so it's it's a great mystery. Yeah. We have we have somebody else who's kind of holding a lot of this together who does not want to be named ever. So yeah, but he kind of manages everything. Is he like our? I still can't. Remember. Is he our business manager, operations manager? What's he called? I would say the executive governor. Something. The governor. <laughs> he's the he's the, uh, the president of our of our podcast. It kind of keeps everything. Okay. Well, we need we need a name. Listeners, we need a name for our governor. <laughs> yeah. So submit a name that we can call him on the podcast. So that'd be great. And then we'll start calling that in real life. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> All right. So pray um, for our team. Yes. All right. Thank you, sister. Um, I love topics like this because they're just, I, I don't have much going on. I don't plan much. I just have kind of a thought. And uh, I love that I love that we were able to to keep it going and to, I think, provide some good information. And also, um, I really loved your, I wrote down probably three or four of your insights that are going to help me in my continued prayer about Whoa. this. So, so thank you very, very much. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit was at work, obviously. Amen. All right, finish with the blessing. May the Lord bless you all, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord bless you all in your lives and allow you to to see his guidance, to not be intimidated or distracted by the things that he calls you to that are truly transcendent and truly impossible. 
may also continue to let you be aware of your dependence upon him as, as given to us through his body, the church. May you always seek to know how much you depend upon him and to rest in that dependence. Um, and then also to, to thrive in that and understand that that's what will truly make you and your family happy. Uh, may you pray for, for clarity when it comes to your own sin so that through that clarity, our Lord may work with you in healing you of these, these sins, um, especially in the, in the ways that you think you are bound or, or addicted to certain aspects of your life and certain ways that you may think uh, that you cannot live um, without a certain thing, a certain experience, a, a certain aspect, a certain thing in your life. And may you put only Christ through growth and holiness, put only Christ in that place and, and his ways through his body, the church. May our Lord bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Love you. Thanks, Love listeners. Love you too, Love sister. You too. Love you all. God bless. Bye.